Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hut. Got a packed podcast today for you. Biden goes anti-gun again. Kamala finally heading to the border. And Chris Rufo schools MSNBC on CRT, among other topics. I, I just want to say it's very interesting timing to see that the same day you have a pro-police Democrat in New York City effectively win the Democrat primary there, which means he is 95 percent assured to be the next mayor of America's largest city. And you also have the data finally all coming together for a 12. If you want to look at the last 12 months, which would coincide with the rise of BLM and what is what has happened, right? BLM started in June, BLM 2.0. In June of 2020, and here we are, 2021, end of June, and you can do a 12-month data, uh, not just compiling, but analysis. And what does it show you? Misery, increases in shootings, homicides, lawlessness, anarchy, real problems all over the country, major cities, even relatively you know, medium-sized cities. And... Law enforcement feeling in a lot of communities like nobody has their back. In fact, if anything, the Biden administration looks like it's ready to feed law enforcement to the wolves. So we'll we'll get into all of that in just a moment. But I, I wanted to first talk to you because we know it's getting to be that time of year where you're going to start to see some flags. And I really want you to have a flag out there. Uh, you should be showing your patriotism with a brilliant, beautiful American flag. Independence Day is less than two weeks away. And that's why if you don't already have a flag from Allegiance Flag Supply, you really need one right now. Because having an American flag flying in front of your home, your dock, or out on your boat is just a way to show your love for this country. And you want a flag that's made in America. A vast majority of them aren't. And you also want one that's really high quality so it doesn't get tangled up, torn, shredded, like a lot of the cheap ones you can get online do. That's why I want you to go with Allegiance Flag Supply. Their commitment to making these flags in the U.S. with the incredible craftsmanship done by their team of seamstresses in Charleston, South Carolina, makes this the flag that I've been recommending to everyone this summer. I've got one at home. My parents are setting up theirs on their balcony in NYC. We're all about allegiance, patriotism and America. So show your allegiance now. Go to showallegiance.com and enter promo code BUCK for 10% off your order. Again, go to showallegiance.com. That's the website. Enter promo code BUCK for 10% off your order and get yours in time for Independence Day. Showallegiance.com and make sure at checkout you enter promo code BUCK for 10% off. Oh, but Biden's not about defunding, you see. That's what they really want you to know. That's that's the new the new centerpiece of this White House's uh, talking points about law enforcement and police and everything else. Even have you know you, I haven't heard all that much from her recently, uh, but Susan Rice, remember her from the Obama administration. In case you were wondering if this is in fact, in case you're wondering if this this uh, is in fact the third term of the Obama administration, just look around and see how many people, how many senior officials 
from Obama's time as president are now in similar or usually elevated roles with Biden as president. That's why it was all about telling the public whatever lies they had to about Trump and pretending that Joe Biden was an impressive leader, a uniter, all all the Trojan horse propaganda. This is why the Democrats were all in on it, because they knew they just had to get him in place. They knew that was the whole point. That was the whole purpose. And here he is. Anyway, Susan Rice wants everyone to make sure they know Biden's approach is not to defund the police. Play three. President Biden's approach is not to defund the police. He's been very explicit uh, in opposing that. He wants to invest in our communities and in safety. That includes investing in public safety uh, and giving police uh, and police forces the resources they need. But it's much broader than that because you can't just deal with this problem through law enforcement. You need to deal with its root causes. Ah, you can't deal with the problem with law enforcement. You need to deal with root causes. This is a repeating fallacy of the Democrats. You see this? It's on law enforcement. It's on the border. Oh, let's not actually apply a direct approach. Let's not try to treat and dress the wound, so to speak. Let's have a committee hearing. Let's all sit around in a circle with our Birkenstocks on and our our, our thick glasses that aren't actually prescription in the faculty lounge and sit around and just wonder aloud about, well, what were the years leading up to this wound really like for this individual? No, I would prefer if we stopped the bleeding. I would prefer if we took action at the source of the problem. And that's not to say that we can't also discuss root causes. But shouldn't you stop the bleeding before you say, maybe you shouldn't have been on your motorcycle, you know? Maybe you shouldn't have been out there. Next time, wear a helmet. Okay, well, the guy's on the sidewalk. He's been in an accident. I don't think now's the time for a helmet lecture. I think the ambulance needs to arrive. You get what I'm, you get my drift here, folks. You see what I'm throwing down? This is the constant fallacy of Democrats on these issues. They keep saying stuff like this. At the border, Oh, Kamala's going to the border. Don't worry, we'll get into that. At the border, you had a situation where people are coming in illegally. Drugs are running across the border, being run across the border in large numbers. And everybody's saying, how do we stop this? Border Patrol is overwhelmed. And Kamala goes to Central America. Why? Because they view that as a root cause issue. It's also a distraction tactic, isn't it? Because why is the border so wide open? Well, because of decisions made by the Biden administration. We we will come back to this. We will come back to this. But I I just want to note for all that this isn't the only place they use this. Law enforcement is not the only time you'll hear about the root causes. Because that also allows them. Why do they want to distract and create this, this step away from Why do they want to move to something else? Because this allows them to go after a political issue that they find valuable to their side, even if it will do nothing. And it will do nothing. This is why yesterday, when you have, in many ways, a repudiation of defund the police in the largest city in America, which also, folks, I mean, New York is the place where 
single greatest crime turnaround in the 90s, 80s, and into the early 2000s. Over 2,000 murders to under 300 murders annually. That's a reflected in all different kinds of crimes across the board. That was an amazing, a, a miraculous shift. I think everyone needs to be quite aware of that. And so when New York is trending in the wrong direction, it's a harbinger of things to come for other cities. And you had defund the police essentially slapped down at some, not not entirely, but because the second place finisher was Maya Wiley, who's a defund the policer. She wants to get rid of, she wants to get rid of uh, law enforcement weapons if she can. I mean, she's really at that whole next level. Uh, but what did they decide that yesterday was was going to be the or what, what were they were going to focus on yesterday? Oh, you guessed it. Guns. The problem is guns. Play clip one. For folks at home, here's what you need to know. I've been at this a long time and there are things we know that work to reduce gun violence and violent crime and things that we don't know about, but things we know about. Background checks for purchasing a firearm are important. Ban on assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. No one needs to have a weapon that can fire over 30, 40, 50, even up to 100 rounds. Unless you think the deer are wearing Kevlar vests or something. You know, nobody, nobody wants 50 rounds or 100 rounds. You know, it's, come on, man, no joke, no joke. You know, just come on over here, sit on my knee, I'll tell you a story about deer wearing Kevlar vests and having those little, what do they call it, like a deer bazooka, instead of firing out a little rocket or whatever, it's like an antler, it's crazy, man, no joke. Joe Biden is whatever the Democrat Party wants him to be. That's what he has always been. So he is a long-lasting mediocrity. And to take this moment in time when they could very well. Remember, Joe Biden's not for defund the police, but he doesn't want to upset the 20% of Americans who think it's a good idea. Because that's about what we're talking about. That's about what we're talking about. About 20%, give or take. And that's what it was in New York City for the defund the police candidate in the mayoral race Maya Wiley, about 20 percent of the vote. So, yeah, there is about a little less than half, we'll call it, of the Democrat Party that's insane and that really thinks defund the police is a good idea. Unfortunately, that is millions of people, but it's also a a small minority overall of the American people. And it should be it should be something we all have in the back of our minds that everyone, including uh, the African-American population in America, based on all the relevant polling, wants a, a the same or more police presence in their neighborhoods. Because really the question is, would you like about the same or more safety in your neighborhood? That's what it really comes down to. The areas where people live, where defund the police is trendy and hip, Yeah, there's quality of life crimes, but they're not seeing drive by shootings. They're not seeing home invasions and things like that. You know, the area where all of that is is occurring is usually far away from the people who are walking around making the most noise about 
defund the police doesn't affect them. Doesn't affect them. And so that's why they feel so very comfortable going off on that. And uh, there, there's more from from Biden here. I mean, there was so much that was said in his speech that was that was just dumb. That was absurd. Uh, he, he even went to the, oh, you better have nuclear weapons and planes. He pulled that card, which is so stupid. I mean, it's as though he's never heard of. Oh, I don't know, Vietnam or Afghanistan. You don't need planes and nuclear weapons to deal with a government that you find hostile and make it untenable for them to control territory. But Biden is is a submediocrity and, and a buffoon. And here he is, for example, here he is um, talking about how the Second Amendment has always limited the weapons you could have. Play 11. The Second Amendment from the day it was passed limited the type of people who could own a gun and what type of weapon you could own. You couldn't buy a cannon. Those who say the blood of the, the blood of patriots, you know, and all the stuff about how we're going to have to move against the government. Well, the tree of liberty is not water with the blood of patriots. What's happened is that there have never been, if you wanted to think you need to have weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. The point is that there's always been the ability to limit, rationally limit the type of weapon that can be owned and who can own it. It's just not true that you need to have nuclear weapons to fight back against a government. Uh, you know, a, a lot of you, I'm sure, are already thinking about about the the quote um, about the rifle behind every blade of grass. Right. Remember, remember this one? We, we've uh, people say that it's Admiral Yamamoto, although there's some dispute and they say it's really not. Look, it's a great quote. It's one of these quotes that you we all kind of wish was true, but there's not really definitive uh, definitive proof of it. But it's also it just goes to show you that Biden talks about something here like the Second Amendment and he has not it's like he's neither read nor understood the Second Amendment. It's as though he has no real interest in what it means, what the purpose of it is, because, OK, let's take in the other direction. So can everyone only have a, a double barrel shotgun? You know, that's you can maybe defend your home pretty well with that. If, you know, you got like an old school Elmer Fudd style double barrel, you know, a side by side. I'm not even saying over under side by side. Is, is that enough? Why, why isn't that enough? Well, this is where we get into the actual constitutional jurisprudence here about things like common usage. And this is where semi-automatic rifles come into play. Remember, when when the colonists in America were fighting against the British, was muskets against muskets. So the the notion of firearm parity was very straightforward. It was very unlikely that you were going to have a situation then where you just had a, a total mismatch. You could have a mismatch in training and in the numbers of personnel, certainly. But, yeah, there, there was an understanding that if you got together a bunch of American patriots, which is what happened, you could actually overthrow... The British Empire's control in the New World. That's that's the the actual founding of our country is a bunch of guys who had guns who got rid of a tyrannical government. That's what our our founding is. And yet Joe Biden's like, I mean, you couldn't go up against a 
a major military? Really? Because in 1776, the British, in particular the British Navy, but the British were the preeminent power in the world, second perhaps only on land to the French, at least in the Western world. And we had gunpowder, so that would be on a global scale, you could say. I don't think anybody was going to go muzzle for Now someone's going to say, Buck, what about the Prussians? Or, you know, okay, but you get what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not trying to get into a battle over who's, who had the best military in the uh, late 18th century, but the British were the preeminent global power. Okay, They were the preeminent global power. And I have to say, it's so clear to anybody who pays attention to the Second Amendment uh, that having rifles that are in common usage is what this was all about. And so you get to AR-15s. They always want to get rid of assault rifles, AR-15s. It just doesn't stand up to scrutiny. And if you look at DCV Heller, we could talk about this all day, but if you look at DCV Heller, that was in Scalia's uh, in Scalia's opinion, he wrote about how, yeah, you couldn't necessarily walk around with a headsman's axe and maybe uh, you, you couldn't have a, you know, an 18 inch or whatever the size of mortars were then. You couldn't have a mortar in your backyard necessarily. But, you know, if it was just a, a rifle, a standard, uh, a standard implement of self-defense and uh, a standard firearm for the day. Yeah, you could. But Joe Biden wants to pretend that it's about telling people they can't have 50 round magazines. You know what the real limitations are they've tried in states like New York and California? Ten round magazines. Ten rounds a whole lot different than 50, isn't it? And, and you have to be sub 10. You have to actually get like a special thing to put. This is how stupid it is in a place like New York. You have to get uh, a an insert that you put into a magazine to make it so you have fewer uh, you have fewer rounds that you can load. And that's the way that that's the way the magazines, I guess, have to be sold. It's so ridiculous. And all it means is that the millions and millions and millions of magazines for different firearms that are capable of holding above 10 rounds just become more valuable to people. They either get grandfathered in, depending on where we're talking about, or they become really popular on the what is technically then the black market. So it's the whole thing, friends. It's absurd. But there's a reason that they are focusing on this right now. There's a reason they're doing this, and I'll get into it in just a second. I was just checking my stocks today. I got to tell you, it's been a really good year for the Buckster when it comes to investing and, and trading day to day. And I just want you to know that I've been relying on my friends at Carnivore Trading for a lot of this because Wall Street has been lying for years saying that a measly few percent is a good return on our stocks. And it's not. And they say that trading is super complicated. You need a financial advisor. You don't. All you need is carnivore trading. That's what I'm using for my day-to-day trades, and they're crushing it this year, even though the market's been a little choppy sometimes. Carnivore trading is an anonymous team of elite strategists. They're legends among Wall Street heavy hitters, and they've gone a bit rogue. For the first time, they're inviting everyday folks, just like you and me, to see and mirror their explosive trades. And right now, Carnivore will let you see the trades they're making for two weeks free Go to GetOurTrades.com and use promo code BUCK for two free weeks. If you join, you'll get Carnivore's industry-leading promise that you'll generate three times your fees after your annual paid subscription or you'll get a 100% refund. Go to GetOurTrades.com, promo code BUCK. That's GetOurTrades.com, promo code BUCK. See website for guaranteed terms and conditions, past performance, not a guarantee of future earnings. All right. Why is it so important? for 
the Democrats now to do this whole focus on uh, do this whole focus on firearms because they don't want to have to openly go against the radical left of their party that is pro defund police. That's what's really playing out here. That's what's actually happening. And so this is why all of a sudden it's, oh, let's do the let's let's have the shiny object, I guess, kind of literally in the case of guns. But let's have guns. Talk about that as a topic. Not they don't want you to have guns, of course. They want you to not have guns. Because they're scrambling right now. What are they going to say about the rising crime rates that not only have continued under the Biden administration and really post pandemic, but keep going up? There is a deterioration underway. Here is Joy Behar. You know, I've missed you, Buck. Why aren't you just talking about me more? I'm over on The View saying stupid things. She misses me. Play five. Well, you know, I'm old enough to remember many uh, decades where crime spiked and I was afraid to, you know, go out at night and, you know, you were you were scared you were going to be mugged in New York City. And then and then um, I have a, another statistic here that's interesting because from 1993 to 2019, and that is a period that I was not scared to go out, uh, crime steadily decreased in the United States. Um, every, every president since Clinton inherited a basically a declining pr- crime rate and then continue it continued to decline until trump came along because trump recited over the greatest crime rise in modern american history the murder rate shot up 26 percent and mass shootings spiked hate crimes spiked more than 20 percent during his presidency now i don't want to lay the whole thing at his feet but he did create four years normalizing crime they considered themselves a law and order party but all i see is more crime coming out of that administration where he seemed to let everybody off the hook. Isn't it remarkable? Democrats with the anti-police narrative, they are the arsonists who then stand back and watch the house burn that they have lit and say, where's the fire department? Fire department's not doing a good enough job. That's what they've done with law enforcement and policing across the country. That's what they're doing now. That's what you see here. They push the anti-police narrative. They push for defunding in the final year of Trump's presidency. And now it's, you know, Trump presided over the worst increase in crime. Well, that's because Democrats decided to be pro-criminal. That's what actually happened. Does anyone, does anyone care? I mean, do the facts matter at all on this one? You know, you, you have to want, and the answer to that is no. It's a fun rhetorical question, especially when you're talking about somebody from The View. No, the facts do not matter. Not not in the least, not even a little bit. But they know that the American people are seeing enough here. There's a clear enough understanding of what's actually occurring that they have to find alternatives. If you were like a leftist who lives in like Santa Monica and is like, I want to get rid of the police, man. Like they're so 10 years ago, I got, like, a speeding ticket, and I was so upset about it. And, like, cops are bad, man. Like, structural racism and, like, you know, BLM. Yeah, man. Like, if you're one of those liberals, you've got to have something that you tell yourself is the reason for the crime rise. It's now becoming unavoidable. So they're they're giving an excuse to people. It's almost like a, a form of emotional, plausible deniability. Yeah, no, it's not that the movement that I pushed for for all this time— is so bad. 
and, and actually so destructive. It's there's other stuff. In fact, that allows them when they create these avenues of, of additional uh, additional causation, which are false, but they do it when they do that. You know what ends up happening is that there will be people in that 20 uh, percent or less of the country that want to defund police in any capacity. There'll be people among that group, among that cadre who decide that they need more BLM. Oh, you see, the problem is we didn't do enough of the anti-cop stuff. And I understand that that's crazy, but I just want you to be prepared for that eventuality, that 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 uh, certainty, really. There'll be some people who just give it some time. Right now, they may lay a little low on it, but in a few months, they'll come back and, you know, they got a fever and the only prescription is more cowbell, except in this case, it's more defund police. Doesn't matter what the results were. Doesn't matter what ended up happening. So what critical race theory suggests is that American racism is not simply uh, the product of uh, individual biases, right? But is actually embedded in the structure of American institutions. That is, by the way, not a theory. That is a fact and historical fact. We need to talk about what this is. What does that mean? Mara Gay of the New York Times, embedded in institutions. Notice that when they talk about things like systemic racism, institutional racism, there's always a a clear hesitation to get into the details. Okay, how? And I don't want to hear about what was. I want to hear about what is. Tell me which institutions today are racist, in what way, And who is doing the racism? If we want to fix a problem, shouldn't we be able to identify the problem? If we want to handle something like this, shouldn't we all be able to come together and agree what the the, the primary cause is? Right. Can't we look at where is this thing happening? Where is this systemic racism occurring? And don't say in law enforcement. Okay, where? Who? What police department? What law that is being enforced? And the more you drill down into this, what you'll find is you'll hear people say things like, well, the war on drugs is racist. Let's unpack that for a moment, shall we? Today, do we want people as a society in America, do we want people to be able to buy? And there's there are people who argue this absolutely anything they want and use anything they want and sell anything they want to other people, including fentanyl, which is incredibly addictive and very easy to overdose and die on. You know, notice how Democrats want to regulate everything. Do they want to regulate this? Well, you would think that there'd be a lot of them who would agree that we should at least have some substances. Marijuana is almost legal now nationwide, but there are some things that are too dangerous. So is is there a good faith, understandable reason for laws against certain narcotics? Yes. So then where does the where does the racism come in? And by the way, I understand this is a this could be a longer conversation and someone on the left could sit here. We could start to go through it. But what you'd find is that it's always a little vague. You dig into the details and you say, I I, I would assure anybody, any leftist, that if, if I were caught at the border, let's say, trying to bring in a few hundred pounds of illegal fentanyl, I'd be in a whole lot of trouble. They wouldn't say, well, we, we enforce this differently based upon skin color. I'd be in a whole lot of trouble, as I should be, for breaking the law. So I just want to want to force us 
to start to see that this systemic racism, it's like saying everybody who doesn't agree with the left is racist. So agree with us and let us have more power in all institutions or else. That's really at the heart of systemic racism. Because when there's actual racism, I say, well, that must be dealt with right away. And this is what you see among conservatives all the time. When there's a when there's a real case, an instance of racism that occurs, whether it's, you know, something, uh, you know, a, a bigoted police officer or some guy who you know owns a restaurant and, uh, you know, is, is not treating it like a public accommodation that serves people irrespective of, of skin color, anything that's racist, racist, right? Clearly racist. We all say, well, that needs to be dealt with. You know, that's there, there's an equal protection clause in the Constitution for a reason. There, there is a constitution protecting all of us as individuals and all of our rights as individuals for a reason. And uh, this is how we approach it. But the left will always say, no, it's about systemic racism. Here, here's another way of going about this. Chris Rufo, who has done so much great work on the critical race theory issue. Chris Rufo had been called out by Joy Reid. I believe she called it at one point a, a white man's demand that, he go on her show to debate her. She was maligning his reputation publicly. She was going after him. And then she pretends like she wasn't. And I just want you to hear some of this exchange because this is a classic. You have so rarely are there actual debates that occur on television these days. Here is a classic left-right exchange on the issue of critical race theory with Joy Reid of MSNBC and Chris Rufo, play two. Thank you. Okay, so let's let's start out and do the elephant in the room. So so you and I started off on a little bit of a Twitter beef. Um, I talked about you. I quoted you um, in an article um, that one of our uh, great journalists here uh, at NBC had quoted you in a piece, and I quoted that on TV. Uh, and then you tweeted um, that you wanted to come on the show and said, you know, I didn't have the courage to put you on. Now I will just note that Twitter is a, for, is a hyperbole zone. So you know, I, it, whatever, it's all water under the bridge. But I just want to just get to a, a couple of little factual things. Why would I need courage to have you on? Are you like an expert in, you know, race or racial history? Are you a lawyer? Are you a legal scholar? Uh, Is that part of your background? Uh, Yeah, I'm a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, uh, where I'm running their initiative on critical race theory. And uh, the reason that I reached out on Twitter to you, and I appreciate you having me on, I enjoy this kind of cross-partisan dialogue. But the reason is not just because you were attacking me on air, which I think is fine. It's politics. That's fair game. One second, just, I'm sorry, I wasn't attacking you. I was reading your quote. So that's what I did. I read your Sure, but you were reading it with the framing, calling me a political operative, which I'm not. I'm actually a think tank scholar. But Uh let's put all that aside. The the problem that I have is that you've really spread uh, four, I think, key false pieces of information about critical race theory. You've claimed in recent weeks that critical race theory isn't being taught in schools. Mm -hmm. You've claimed that most American public school students learn what you call Confederate race theory and are taught that slavery was, quote, not so bad. You've claimed that state legislation will prevent schools from teaching about the history of racism. And finally, you've claimed that critical race theory isn't rooted in the philosophical tradition of Marxism. Uh, And I think that all four of those claims are wrong. Wrecked. R-E-K-T. Wrecked. In one clip. Didn't take very long, did it? Now, Now, let's just unpack it for a moment. Rufo, uh, first of all, this this very disingenuous thing of why would I need to be afraid of you? Well, you were calling him out and you didn't invite him on your show. And if you're going to call somebody out, I think, and and they want to debate you, I think you should at least consider and usually should have them on your show, especially when they're he's newsworthy. He's not some Twitter troll. 
Chris Rufo has done great work and has helped spark a nationwide conversation, which the left hates. Don't you see? They don't want you to know what kids are being taught in school about this stuff. They want the right to shut up and argue about when we can get Republicans in power again to pass a two or three percent tax cut and have a lot of long talks about we'll deal with the debt one day. That's what they want. They want control of the cultural, uh, the culture. They want cultural hegemony, to borrow from Gramsci, the Italian socialist. They want to have control of the national conversation at the cultural level. So this is very unsettling to them. But back to the actual Rufo exchange here. Notice the why should I be scared to have you? Are you and then uh, libs love to do this goes right at his credentials. Credentialism is their first move. Right. And Joy Reid feels very comfortable doing this because she went to Harvard. Now, is Joy Reid somebody who is a talented academic? If you read some of her writing, particularly some of her writing from 10 years ago that she claimed was the result of a time machine based hacking that had somebody write homophobic stuff in her writing style. Yeah. Joy Reid is not an impressive academic. I don't think Joy Reid is impressive at anything. But nonetheless, she goes after credentials because that's where she feels most comfortable. And he says, well, actually, I'm a think tech scholar. You can call me a political operative, but I, I'm, I, I assure you, if Joy Reid had somebody on from the Brookings Institute, she would show deference and say a Brookings Institute scholar or, you know, a, I can't even think of some of the more radical left wing think tanks out there right now. But you get the idea. That's 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 her first move. But she also has really just brought to the the forefront somebody with Chris Rufo here who just points out, I mean, these are these are direct things. These are did you lie about the following? And he just goes one after the other. I mean, to say and these are the different lies that the left is telling right now about critical race theory. Did you say this? Did you say that they don't teach this in school? Did you say that it's not rooted in Marxism? These are yes or no things. And he just rattles it all off. And when you hear his allegations, you know that, I mean, this, it's, it's game over. I mean, they're just, the left does not have, on those, on those points, uh, in this case, Joy Reid does not have responses worth hearing. And it's because she has said all those things. And she was, I think, being um, disingenuous with him from really the, the moment that he came on. I, I really dislike, because this is a classic uh, liberal news anchor trick, have somebody on and pretend you're going to show them respect so that you throw them off for a second. And then you just try to try to passive aggressively gut them on TV and then go to commercial before they have a chance to realize what's even happened. I absolutely hate that. And the libs do it all the time. Kamala's going to the border, folks. Oh, yeah. We will talk about this in just a moment. I want to make sure that your privacy online is something that you can actually count on because your online data always seems to be under the magnifying glass by big tech. The Internet is the biggest surveillance system ever created, and big tech is big brother in this context. So you should have some concern over this. I mean, there's real anxiety from not having control of your online data while it's manipulated and sold to advertisers and as you know you can get shut down too for saying or thinking the wrong things but now there's a new way with the ultimate privacy and cybersecurity communications tool secure okay secure is an instant messaging and email platform hosted in switzerland protecting your data with the strictest privacy laws in the world 
Secure, spelled S-E-K-U-R, uses proprietary encryption technology, an independent platform, and Swiss privacy laws to ensure complete privacy and security of your data on desktop and in transit. This is secure and private instant messaging and email. S-E-K-U-R, Secure, assures your conversations, messages, and data are kept completely safe and private, and Secure does not mine your data and is not subjected to the Cloud Act. Take back your freedom, privacy, and online security with Secure by going to S-E-K-U-R.com. That's Secure.com, and use coupon code BUCK for one week free and 25% off. Be sure to use coupon code BUCK, B-U-C-K, go to secure.com, S-E-K-U-R.com, and regain your privacy today. Jen Psaki had to try to explain why the border all of a sudden was on Kamala's radar. Oh, why is that, Play 7? So about today's announcement, why is the vice president visiting the border this week when earlier this month she dismissed a trip like that, saying it would be a grand gesture? She also said um, in an interview with NBC that she would be open to going to the border if it was an appropriate time. She said that after she said that. So that's important context as well. And important context. I've got the NBC interview right here. Uh, She was talking about how uh, she hasn't been to the border. She hasn't been to Europe either. So does she think that these two things are the same? Uh, And again, uh, Peter, I think she also said in the same interview that she would be open to going to the border at an appropriate time. I mean, Peter Ducey has one of the best jobs in media right now. I got to tell you, it's just it's just so fun. He he gets to uh, verbally joust with Saki bomb and he's look, he's doing a great job. He really is because he's not aggressive. He's not he's not uh, stomping on her words. He's not. And he's not mansplaining. Not that that's really a thing, but uh, he's just asking straightforward questions. And it's funny to watch Saki try to smile through her teeth at him. And she's like, I just hate this guy. But he's he's doing great work. Yeah. Wh- why is it suddenly worthwhile for Kamala to go to the border? Wh- why was it not an appropriate time for the first you know, 90 days or whatever it was that she was the border czar? And she decided not to go. She could fly over it to go to Guatemala and Mexico, but couldn't actually go to U.S. soil at the U.S.-Mexico border and speak with the people that are facing the the problem there. Understand that they're going to have a bit of a of a downturn in crossings because over the summer months, fewer people want to make the trek. And there'll be some effort in the media to say, see what Biden and Kamala are doing is working. See and or Biden-Harris. And uh, turns out that what will end up occurring is in the fall, when the weather is more favorable, there'll be a big increase again in crossings. And you'll all see that this is because the Democrats don't want this to go away. I mean, here's Lindsey Graham, for example, who's just straight out saying it. Democrat Party likes this. Play four. Because the Democratic Party is pro-illegal immigration. What happened at the border between January and June, a 160 percent increase in illegal crossings because the Biden administration wiped out all the Trump policies that were working. They're basically rolling out a welcome mat for illegal immigrants to come by the by the hundreds of thousands on crime. The modern Democratic Party is anti-cop. 
There's no other way to say it. The liberal left is the energy of the Democratic Party on policing and immigration, and Joe Biden is refusing to stand up to the left, and he's in denial about what the problems at the border really are. It's got nothing to do with the conditions in Central America. The Biden administration has gone to an open border policy. They've changed all the Trump policies about remaining in Mexico. And when it comes to crime, they're declaring war on the cop and the prosecutor. Declaring war on cop and the prosecutor. Although I'll note there are a lot of, I, I agree with pretty much everything Lindsey Graham says here, although there are a lot of left-wing activist prosecutors out there who actually make the crime problem much worse. It's the, the front line of dealing with uh, criminals, the front line of law and order is clearly cops. But right behind them, I mean, you've all seen the show, Law and Order, right? There's the detectives, the cops investigating, detectives and cops investigating crimes and the uh, and the justice system that prosecutes them. Or I forget what the line is. It's something like that. Producer Mark, what is it? You, you've seen, come on, you've had some days where you must have watched like 10 episodes of Law and Order and realized, oh my God, where did my day go? Yeah, my wife's favorite show is Law and Order SVU, so I've watched a lot of it. I'm amazed. Uh, there are there are so many of these. I've met many women. I will say, for they love. I guess it's Mariska Hargitay, the actress who plays Olivia Benson. They love Law and Order SVU. I'm like, this show is is like horrifying. <laughs> it's like these these terribly graphic, frightening crimes. And I know all these all these uh, you know female millennials in particular who are like I love Olivia Benson. You know, I don't know. Keep me up at night. Yeah, I don't get the obsession with the show, but uh, if they like it, sure, let them watch. Hey, whatever. I mean, look, the original Law and Order is a great show for what it is. You know, dun dun. You know, the uh, I, we don't have the noise, but the original Law and Order, and it's the pacing of it is so good because you can sit there and they get you in the first. You're like, well, I mean, if the guy who owns the nightclub is found in the dumpster behind the you know, the the fair going on out in the suburbs, you know, it's like they, they bring you in right away. You're like, well, I got to find out who put a, who killed this guy, who strangled him and threw him in the dumpster. You know, was it the college professor? Was it the uh, the wealthy guy on the yacht? You know, they always go through that, too. I'm like, yeah, it's basically like guy. a murder mystery, but not one that you do at home with your friends. One you watch on TV. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's real solid. So anyway, good good show. I, I will say. I, I remember in college some days it was freezing in, in central Massachusetts and my my roommates and I at the time we would just sit there and eat uh eat chicken wings and watch Law and Order for like four or five hours at a time. It's probably why I got pretty rotund junior year. Anyway, uh it was a great show. Uh, it still is a great show. So but that the point here is that you get people on the law enforcement side who are being undermined, people on the prosecutorial side who are working really against the system that they're supposed to uphold and then beyond that uh, beyond that you have the border the lawlessness at the border from a lack of willingness to enforce the laws there this problem will not go away this problem is only going to get worse and in the meantime you're going to hear a lot of nonsense justifications you're going to hear a lot of absurd garbage from the left because people know the crime stuff is a big problem so what's the democrat explanation for it well here's uh jen Psaki trying to tell you that it's the republicans who are actually for defunding police oh yeah get ready for it play eight 
Well, I think the president believes that we shouldn't and we shouldn't allow access to guns to those criminals who are currently illegally buying them from some dealers across the country. And part of his announcement is taking steps to do exactly that. But part of his announcement is also ensuring there's specific guidance to uh, communities across the country to ensure that they have funding to get more community police around the country, something that was supported by the American Jobs Plan uh, that was support that was voted into law by Democrats just a couple of months ago. Some might say that the other party was for defunding the police. I'll let others say that, but that's a piece. Why do they say community police? How about just police? Community police? Is that like violence interrupters or something? Doesn't make any sense, does it? The whole thing is, is frankly absurd. Uh, all right, everybody, make sure that you uh, you pass the buck. And uh, thank you all, by the way, for all your support. I, I see... I read, I know there are hundreds and hundreds of messages, particularly on Facebook, about how much you love the uh, the Clay and Buck show, and we really appreciate that, uh, especially, you know, stepping into this time slot, the fact that all of you are like, you're doing a great job, and I and I try to, to pass that along to Clay, so uh, thank you for that. Please pass the buck. As you know, this podcast is going to keep coming out uh, first thing in the morning, and that's going to be our show for today. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Producer Mark and I will do some roll call. Shields high.